Well, if you are new to uh, New Life, we are so glad that you're here. And uh, if you would fill out a Connect card, it's in the seat back in front of you. And uh, you could just throw it up here at any point during the service, like an airplane, I'll catch it and uh, I'll text you, okay? No, put it in the box in the back. That would be a little bit easier. Uh, We would love to connect with you guys. We are jumping into a new series called Essentials. Everybody say Essentials. This is uh, an awesome series we're diving into and the definition of essential is something that is absolutely necessary and extremely important. Something that is absolutely necessary and extremely important. And uh, what I know is true and why I believe this series is gonna be so powerful for us as a church is because the world, I think we could all agree with this, the world is gonna try to tell us what is absolutely important and what is extremely necessary in our lives. But the reality is the word of God is the thing that we go to as a believer. And that lays out the blueprint for how we live for God. I think it's important that we decide as a church and as a body of believers, what is most important to us, amen? So if you ask a variety of people, you could ask different people in the room and hear what is the essentials, what are the essentials of life? You would hear a lot of different things. If you ask like maybe someone who studies science, they're gonna say it's air and food and water and light, okay? That's pretty self-explanatory, physical things. If you ask some of my wife's friends, uh, what is essential in life? They're gonna tell you essential oils, okay? And uh, the reality is when I'm sick, I don't want lavender and mint, I want NyQuil, okay? <laughs> Can I get an amen, okay? I'm not knocking you if you're a rep in here. I need some of those cough drops, okay? They're really good. Um, I believe that we're more than just physical beings. And, and so the reality is if we only do and, and re- like look for physical things in life that are essential, we're gonna live with a void that we try to fill with things our entire life. And, and I believe that as you go into the new year and as we are approaching now mid-January, which is kind of crazy, you can have the best resolutions, you can have the best set of goals, But if you're missing the spiritual essentials, then you will have aimless living. And I can tell you, I spent a lot of years doing that. And I really wish I would have encountered Jesus sooner. I I was focused on just physical things and more of this and more of that. And I came up empty. I I believe we have to know what is essential for living for God. And if you can't tell by the couple months that we've been here, I get really excited when I read the Bible, okay? And I have no apologies for that. I get excited because I'm reminded of the grace of God and the truth of God's word. The Bible is the truth. The Bible was not written as a suggestion for for broken people. The the Bible was not intended to be a self-help book for helpless people. The Bible is not a cookbook that we sit on our counter or our dresser and we kind of say, I wonder what would be good today. And we just take some ingredients and recipes from it. The Bible is the God-breathed truth, inspired by him, written by broken people, and it has stood the test of time. Your Bible doesn't need an update. Maybe your phone does if you're reading it from your phone. But the Bible is the same yesterday and forever. So when I read it, I get excited because this is how we know what the essentials are in life. Because we have the word of God. And it is the truth. 
you know, I, I wrote down a couple things that happen when we don't realize what essential what is essential in our life. We get lazy in our relationships. We put off our goals. We, maybe you have already kind of lost track of the, the healthy resolution you set. Is anybody with me on that? Okay, it's okay. We can pray afterwards. If you have already given up on the gym or the elliptical you got for Christmas or the Peloton, whatever, it's okay. We can, we can pray for you. We, we, maybe we don't eat the healthiest food or we, we don't read our Bible or pray or maybe we stop uh, getting involved in the church. We don't get involved with other Christians in a life group. Whatever it may be, for the next several weeks, we're gonna unpack the essentials in walking with God. Real quick, by the showing of hands, who in here is an overpacker? Where are my overpackers? Like you go on vacation and you bring a suitcase that is the size of your spouse, okay? It's like just, it, it is so big and you, are, you have no shame in your game. You pay the extra $50 because you know it's over the weight limit. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are getting nudged right now. Y'all are my brothers and sisters, all right? I will pack like it is gonna be in a zombie apocalypse. Like I will bring things that are not necessary. My wife, she like will lay out my suitcase. She's like, let's talk through everything we need. And I'm like, babe, I don't need a coach for going on a trip. Where are my underpackers? Y'all can pack in a backpack. We don't like y'all, okay? <laughs> and I'm so jealous because y'all can pack in a little carry-on and here's the thing, if the world's gonna end, you're gonna need some stuff and you're gonna come to the overpackers, right? We were living or leaving for Colorado uh, several weeks ago to go on vacation and we realized we had forgot to pack the baby Breeza. Does anybody know what the baby Breeza is? It's like a Keurig for baby bottles, okay? Um, and I was willing, we were an hour outside of Fayetteville and you can ask my wife, I said, babe, let's turn around and go get that thing. Like we forgot it, we didn't turn around and go get it. Uh, but we, we often will forget things. Or maybe we uh, just miss things or uh, we need to be reminded of something. Have you ever gone somewhere, gone to do something, but you didn't have what you needed? Like you realized when you got to this place that you didn't have the things that you needed. Maybe you went to go leave the country and you had forgot your passport. Has anybody done that? My goodness, that is, it's, I can't imagine the stress. Or maybe you were going out to eat with some family members and you intentionally left your wallet at home. Some of you do that, okay? And uh, if you do it three times in a row, it is intentional, okay? It is not an accident. Whatever it may be for you, and the worst is like when you go to a porta potty, Garrett said this happens to him all the time, and there's no toilet paper, okay? And it's okay, he's shaking his head, no. <laughs> the reality of the passage we read in Mark 9 is the disciples were missing something. That they left something out. They, they were missing an ingredient. You get to the very end of that story, and Jesus says there are some things that require prayer and fasting. The, the title of the message today is The Missing Ingredient. Where are my cooks at? If you're, my hand's not up because I'm a cook. I just want to know, okay? It, have you ever missed an ingredient? You were cooking something or maybe y'all tasted something at Christmas and you're like, they definitely left something out. I, I realized, you know, that um, I guess it was about seven years ago, six and a half years ago, um, Kendra and I had moved into a house in Maumelle and we were cooking some steaks 
And uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't know the most, like the best way to cook a steak. I was a, kind of a steak rookie. And they were frozen together. We had forgot to thaw them out. And uh, so me, I was like, Kendrick, would you zap it for like 10 seconds in the microwave? I've got the grill going outside. We're newly married. And so she throws them in the microwave. She hits defrost by weight. Um, and so I'm outside, and I'm getting the grill ready, and I could smell meat cooking, okay? There was no meat on the grill. And I run inside, and sure enough, these nice, beautiful steaks, they were, they were cooked, like really cooked. That microwave was really powerful. Cooked in the microwave. I got them, we still ate the steaks, okay? We baptized them in A1, and we ate them um, because we, we, were, we were hungry. And, uh, you know, I, I realized looking back at that that something that had great potential Something that could have been amazing didn't go through the right process. We missed a step. I missed a step. I take full responsibility, Kendra. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But we can go into the new year so often or a new season of life, and it has the utmost amount of potential, and we can miss a step, and we can fall short. Maybe you go into the new year and you've got the goals and the resolutions and all of this stuff and you knock it out of the park. But what if we miss what is essential to the Lord? What if we started off the year with God's plan? There's some things that require prayer and fasting. We're going into a week of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow uh, all the way up through the, the weekend, and we're going to be gathering at the church for morning prayer. And uh, we've got a worship night on Wednesday. We've got some awesome stuff coming up. But I believe if we lean into this as a church, we can see uh, God move. It says in Matthew 6, this is what uh, Jesus, this is in red letters. This is the Lord talking. It says that when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by other people. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like pagans. Everybody has the person that prays over the food around the holidays, and it's like just in the prayer. We're hungry, okay? For they, will, they think they will be heard because of their many words, but don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This next part it goes into is the Lord's Prayer. I want us to read this together. Let's start and make sure we got it up there. There we go. Read this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the Lord's prayer. I remember uh, getting ready for a baseball game and we would pray that prayer. I didn't have a clue what I was praying back in high school, but I prayed it. And I was believing maybe we'll have like a miracle happen and we'll win a game. But this is the Lord's prayer. This is Jesus talking to his father in heaven and he models the simplicity of what it looks like to communicate with him. And then it goes into verse 16 and it talks about fasting. It says, when you fast, everybody say when. When you fast, don't look gloomy and pretend to be spiritual 
They want everyone to know that they're fasting, and so they appear in public looking miserable. Believe me, they've already received their reward. When you fast, don't let it be obvious, but instead wash your face and groom yourself. That's just good advice in life, okay? And, and realize that your father in the secret place is the one who is watching all that you do in secret, and he will continue to reward you. If you fast forward a little bit into verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Maybe that's all you need to hear this morning because you're so overwhelmed about what's to come that maybe God can't even speak to you in the present moment. I believe if we would realize and we would just say, God, would you open my eyes and my heart right here, right now? We've got 20 more minutes this morning. And I believe that God will speak to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about like, oh, I haven't prepared for the fast. We gotta go get a bunch of groceries. Like, I've gotta, we're gonna go to Cracker Barrel after, you know, whatever. Like, just lean into this moment because I believe the Holy Spirit will show you some things. He'll speak to you. I've got a few thoughts about fasting. The first one is this fasting without prayer is a glorified diet. The world has adopted this. Every religion has adopted fasting, but fasting without prayer is a glorified diet. If you're not praying, it's just a physical thing you're doing. If you're not praying along with, with the fast, then it's just yourself starving your flesh of something. The second thing I wrote down is prayer without fasting is half of the power. So maybe you are a prayer warrior. Thank you. I am so glad that you pray. But I believe there's moments throughout the year where the Lord wants us to lean into his presence a little bit more. And I believe that something different is activated in heaven when we begin to starve our flesh and feed our spirit on earth. The third thing I wrote down is prayer accompanied with fasting activates the power of heaven. If you have never tried to fast, I wanna encourage you to just give it a shot. Like I promise you, you will see some crazy things happen immediately when that first meal rolls around, whatever fast you're doing, we're going to talk through a couple of them, you will immediately realize how strong your stomach is. The fourth thing I wrote down is fasting takes your stomach off of the throne. This is called king stomach. If you don't know who king stomach is, everybody just look down. <laughs> it, may, it may be growling as we speak because you ate something from McDonald's before you got here, all right? And that, that is king's stomach, and, and our stomach is so powerful, we have built our days off of it. If you don't believe me, it's called breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And for some of us who are Christians, we have a fourth meal, Taco Bell, okay? It, our stomach, it, it dictates so many things that we do in our life. And y'all, I'm not against eating. Obviously, I love to eat, okay? But I am for us pressing into the presence of God. And I believe when we starve our flesh and we feed our spirit, and we lean into him in prayer, I think that God activates things in, in heaven. The fifth and, and last thought about fasting is biblical fasting always in, involves food and drink. Now, I, I was in a college ministry, and as a young adult, I remember going into a season of fasting, and it's like, I'll, I'll just fast only social media. 
or all fast uh, TV shows or Yellowstone or you know, whatever it may be. And, and here's the reality. Those are, that's okay. That is good things to do. But that is a secondary fast. The, the way that the Lord puts it in Scripture is when you deny yourself of something that you are used to giving yourself. Like, I'll do a liquid fast. I've done the Daniel fast. I've done a, a fast where it's intermittent. And, and you wait till a certain time to eat during the day. Like, there, there's all of this stuff that you can do as far as fasting. And we're going to post some resources on our social media for different fasts. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you, in some capacity, starve your flesh this week and feed your spirit. Y'all, this is not like a sexy thing to talk about. <laughs> we're going to fast as a church. Let's go. And like 20 people are excited, you know. <laughs> You don't get a lot of amens and people excited about this because we like to eat. But let me tell you this. If you take this week serious, you will eat the fruit of this fast the rest of the year. You will see God move in your family, in your finances, in your goals, in your dreams, in your passion, in your purpose, in ways that you have never seen him move before. And I think that if our fast is not important to us, then it's not going to be important to God. And so if your fast is not requiring something of you, then I, I don't know if it's very important to the Lord. And so I want you just to pray about it. Everybody's fast will look different. If you go no food and only water, I got mad respect for you. I've never done that. I've done a couple days like that. It's really hard. But we're going to fast all the way up through uh, this weekend, next Sunday. And we've got Pastor Marcus Brown that's going to come in and teach. It's going to be awesome. We're going to meet Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, and Friday morning at 6 a.m. Everybody say, oh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have coffee available, okay? Unless you're fasting coffee, don't drink it. We're going to be here, and there's going to be someone sharing the word, a little devotional. We're going to have worship. And then there's going to be about a half hour for you to pray with your family. You could bring the whole family. We're going to stream it live on Facebook because I know uh, that, you know, with young families, it's really hard to get up here. I know some of your jobs start earlier, but if you could just pop in a couple of these times that we do this, you're going to see some things happen. And then Wednesday night at 630, we're going to have a worship night, and it's going to be a great time. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the passage we read earlier in Mark 9. It says in verse 14, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd. The teachers of the law were arguing and as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. I want you to write this down. This church is a place where people can see Jesus and be overwhelmed with wonder. This is a place you can walk in and you've been living for God for 20 years. And you can see Jesus and be overwhelmed with wonder. And this will be a place where you can walk in and you have never been to church in your entire life. And something will resonate with you because we are all jacked up, broken people. And you will see Jesus and you can be overwhelmed with wonder. I, my prayer is that you would be overwhelmed with joy and peace and, and love. Because I know from my life that when I saw Jesus and I encountered Jesus, I was changed by Jesus. But we live in a world that we, we see people and it's like, man, they need Jesus. Well, maybe they've never seen Jesus. 
Maybe they've never seen or, or had or been in the presence of God like you have. We are a place where people can see Jesus and be overwhelmed by wonder. These guys, they had a complete shift in their posture, in their perspective. Jesus walks on the scene. They're amazed. They went from an argument to amazement in a matter of seconds because the presence of God can change things immediately. And the same is true today when people see Jesus. They, it's not because of a debate on Facebook. <laughs> Have y'all seen Facebook warriors, right? Everybody knows them. Don't point at them, okay? It, it's not uh, whatever the, the latest news is. or it, I, and I'm not going to get into political stuff, but I promise you that your argument is not going to win people to Jesus. But if we could be people that open up our lives and our homes and this church where people can walk in and experience the presence of God in a real way, this is what happens. They see Jesus and then they change. We can't want people to change before they've encountered Jesus. Does that make sense? And I believe that's how God wants us to do this. I, I was in a private Baptist school, uh, and I was playing a little bit of baseball in college, and I'm not going to give a ton of details, but I was sitting in a class. I had just gotten saved, and I was in a pastoral leadership class. There was about 20 other pastors, and then there's me. I'm sitting in the front of the class because your boy needed help, okay? And I was leaned in, and the, the teacher would do prayer requests at the beginning of the class. And a guy in the back of the class, we'll call him Bob for today, Bob raised his hand and and he says, I need prayer. My father committed suicide two nights ago. And he is, he's bawling and he's, he's shaking. And I, I mean, obviously you could tell that there was a lot going on in his life. I haven't been, I haven't been sleeping. I just need you guys to prayer. And the room was softened. In a, and, and this is what Bob said. He said, I, I know that I'm going to see my dad in heaven again someday. But I'm just having a really hard time. And a guy stands up in the front of the classroom and keep in mind, this is my first week of classes as a Christian. I got saved, radically saved, changed my major, got into Bible school, and I'm like, Lord. This guy stands up in the front of the class, and he says, do you really think you're going to see your dad in heaven? What a selfish thing to do. And y'all keep in mind, I just got saved, okay? <laughs> I didn't fight anybody that day. But I stood up, and I looked at the back of the room, and I said, Bob, I remember the first day I stepped foot on this campus, and the teacher was like trying to dismiss class. I said, you walked up and you gave me our daily bread, which was this little devotional. Maybe you've had it before. And, and I said, I remember that day. You awkwardly gave that thing to me and you just walked away. But it was the first time on this campus that I've seen the light of Jesus. And, you, and I looked around the class and I said, and every one of you, I remember sitting in Old Testament survey and New Testament survey and, and the, the epistles and, and the life of Paul, and all of y'all would argue about who knew the most about the Bible. And I remember looking around the room and saying, I, I don't ever want to be a Christian. If this is what it looks like to be a Christian, can I encourage y'all? And the teacher dismissed the class, and I was about to fight this guy in front. So I'm, I'm not saying I got it right. But I'm just trying to help you understand that your argument is not going to help people come to Christ. That's not what Bob needed to hear. He just lost his father. And someone thought that I'm, I'm going to throw a biblical principle at you. And I'm, I'm just going to beat you up with something that I believe is true. Whatever, and I just think if we can realize that our arguments and our perspective and our stance on what we believe and all of the things, 
I can tell you, if you look around the room right now in this church, there's a lot of people that believe a lot of different things in life. And I love that our church is a place where you can walk in and people can be different and experience Jesus. And y'all look at me, they can see Jesus and they can be overwhelmed with wonder. Our arguments aren't gonna win anybody to, to Christ. I believe that this place could be a place where people don't have to behave to belong. A place where broken people can make an impact because they encounter Jesus. Verse 16, it says this, what, what are you arguing about? And a man in the crowd answered, he said, There's a, uh, my, my son's been possessed by spirit and it's robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground. And, and I, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Everybody say could not. It's important to know that they actually had full authority and power at this moment. Jesus had given them full power and full authority to cast out demons to heal the sick, to raise the dead. He had already commissioned them one time to go do things in his name, but they were missing an ingredient. I I wrote down they were missing some secret sauce, okay? It's like macaroni without cheese. It's just not gonna go well. The second thing I wrote down is God always returns what is lost, always. He always returns what is lost. Jeremiah 30, it says, but I will restore your health. And heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Psalm 27, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. John 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life abundantly to the full. Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. These are things that God can restore to you. In the book of Job, and when I got saved, I thought it was the book of Job. I was like, well, if you need a job, just read this one, you know. The book of Job is a place where a guy loses everything. And God returned a double portion for everything that he lost. It says in 1 Peter 5, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The enemy robbed this boy of his speech, but I want to ask you this morning, if you were to be honest with yourself, what has the enemy robbed you of? Maybe you're not rolling around on the ground, thank God, right now in the church, you know, and, and this, this boy was possessed by a spirit, but he was robbed of something in his life. What have you been robbed of? I believe that God can return it back to you, but not just return it back to you, but return it back to you with power. Maybe someone in your family is being returned in power or, or your finances, you've been struggling and you need a miracle and it doesn't seem like there's a way, but God can make a way. Your health and your dreams and your passions and your purpose. My prayer, as I was up here last night praying for you guys and worshiping, and, and my prayer was that a fire would return to you today. That you would remember the first day that you got saved and you were excited about the things of God. And that we wouldn't go through the motions, but that, that we would be restored to the first love that we had for Jesus. I think that this week could be a big week for you. In verse 19, it says, you unbelieving generation. Jesus replies pretty boldly. He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Can we pause real quick? I always want to be known and be remembered as a person that brings people to Jesus. 
I don't want to be known as a the pastor or preacher, or I want to be known as a person who brings people to Jesus. A good husband, a good father, and a person that brings people to Jesus, to the presence of God, to the foot of the cross, with my words, with my actions. The third thing I wrote down is be known for bringing people to Jesus. If you want to know what to be known for, this is one to write down and circle. Because you can't go wrong with living this way. Y'all, we live in a world that says make a name for yourself, build a brand, get a big following, get wealthy, build, build your own little kingdom, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do it all in your strength. My question is, but be known for what? Like, like, we're not taking a U-Haul to heaven. <laughs> like, I don't get to take all this stuff to heaven. What am I going to be remembered by? If you want a humbling thought every time you wake up in the morning, I've got a little note in the top of my Bible, and it says, think about your tombstone. How are you going to be remembered? I want to be remembered as a person that brings people to Jesus. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. I, I think it would be so amazing if this entire body of believers y'all look around real quick y'all are good looking most of you guys man would it be so cool if people would hear new life church and they would say yeah that group of people brings people to jesus that people that group of people there's something different about them every time i get around them i'm filled with joy I get excited about the presence of god and the things of god i believe that we can be people that bring people to Jesus. It says in verse 20, so they brought him and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw him into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth and Jesus asked the boy's father, he said, how long has he been like this? And he said, he's been like this since childhood. Maybe you're in this place today and you are dealing with something that happened all the way back in your childhood. And the person who hurts you never say sorry. Can I stand in their place today and say, I'm sorry? Living with bitterness, I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm not saying what that person did is forgiven. What I'm saying is I am sorry on their behalf. That person that walked out on you, that person that hurt you, the person that said things about you that weren't true, the person that left you high and dry, I believe some of us today are walking in pain that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. This boy had been struggling with this for a while and Jesus heals him. I believe when Jesus gets involved, we're not known by our struggle. It's we then begin to talk about the things that God has healed us from. Be very careful of somebody who only talks about what they're good at and their strengths. I like to be around people who talk about who they used to be before God got involved. Can we we bring people to Jesus? The the text says that this, it's often thrown them into the fire and the water to kill them. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and, and help us. And Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And the boy's father says this, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The fourth thing I wrote down is it is possible to believe in Jesus and still have unbelief of his power. 
This, this verse, it proves it. This guy, he saw Jesus. He was overwhelmed with wonder. He, he's about to heal this boy. But he totally didn't know what this guy was capable of doing in his life. The power of God. It can do a miracle in your life. It's possible to follow Jesus for your entire life and miss out on the full power of God. I meet people all the time. And it's like, yeah, I've been living for God. I, I've been a Christian. I grew up in church, but I have never truly encountered the power of the living God. Uh, we gotta be very careful when we place limitations on a limitation ex exceeding God. We have to be very careful not to minimize the power of the one who gives us power. We put God in a powerless box when he belongs in the hearts of his people. And so maybe you're in here today and you have been living for God. You've, you know who God is. You, you've had a relationship with Jesus. Y'all, I want people to see your life and see Jesus. I want them to see the way that you walk and see Jesus, hear the way that you talk and see Jesus, see your social media, see Jesus, the way you love your spouse, see Jesus, the way you love and respect and honor and celebrate your kids, they see Jesus, the way you serve the community and serve your coworkers and serve the church, see Jesus. Can we be that kind of people? see Jesus. Jesus changes everything. He says, everything is possible for the one who believes. I want y'all to repeat this after me. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. We all say that? God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, if that is the prayer of us today, God will move a mountain. He'll move a mountain. Jesus, he gets involved. He casts out the spirit. And, and the boy is healed, but then people start saying he looks like he's dead. The boy looks like a corpse. He looks like he's dead. Maybe this will be the first time you've heard this. You are not what other people have said about you. Those people that were watching, they're spectators. Did y'all know there's a lot of spectators in the world? Some haters, everybody's got a little few haters out there. People that are watching and speaking death over your life and God is saying there is life in them yet. You are not dead. You are alive in Christ if you wanna be. He gets involved and he changes everything. Your sin's not your identity. You are not what you have done. You are not what you have said. You are not your past. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you wanna be. If you wanna be the last thing I wrote down as we close, number five is don't miss out on the full power of God. Do not miss out on the full power of God because I don't know if you know this, but you can miss it. You can miss the power, the full authority and presence of God. The missing ingredient in this passage was prayer and fasting. Let me ask you this question. Is there something in your life that you have been believing for that you believe is from God and it's like you just can't see it? You can't access it. You can't get to the place. There, I just wanna pose a question. What if God is saying, I want you to starve your flesh for a, a little bit and I want you to feed your spirit and I want you to truly fix your eyes on Jesus? I wonder what would happen. 
So as the church, we're taking the next several days and we're going to start a, a fast. I'll be here. I may be alone, <laughs> but I'll be here and I'll be smiling and have my coffee, okay? And we're, we're going to fast as a family. I don't think our son, who's two, is going to fast. He probably won't like that, you know? <laughs> but we're going to fast and we're going to seek the presence of God. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added to you as well. I remember four weeks before even knowing that Fayetteville was a place that we would spend the rest of our life. Four weeks before, you remember this babe, I leaned over in bed and I said, I think God wants us to fast. And she was like, no. <laughs> and uh, I said, she said, why? And I was like, I just believe that God's about to change some things in our life and we need to be very desperate for him or we're gonna miss it. And so she was like, good luck, you know. <laughs> She was like, I don't want to. I don't want to change. I don't want to. Like, we were comfortable. And so I said, we started fasting as a family. And then out of nowhere, this whole Fayetteville thing kind of came about. And it wasn't a coincidence. I believe that if you get in the presence of God, when God is nudging you to do something, if we would take a step in obedience and say, God, I trust you, I'll do it, you would be amazed at what God will do in your life. I want to pray for us real quick. Would you close your eyes?